Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It is Q&A Tuesday. We've got some good questions to answer. Questions that have come in on my DM box on Instagram, a couple that have come in from clients over the last few weeks. Just a big range of questions that I'm pretty confident any one of you has had recently, is going to have coming up soon. I'm sure there's one or two or more in here that is going to set off a little light bulb for you where you can say, oh, great. Okay, good. Now I know how I'm going to handle that when we get there. We've got questions about wake windows, questions about when to even start sleep training if you feel like you need sleep training for your babe. Lots to cover, so let's dive in. First one, mom says, I know this is a loaded question, but what's a realistic age to sleep train? Why is that a loaded question? Because really, I don't know why. I do know why, but I wish it wasn't the case. Sleep training can be just a loaded topic. We all know this. There's no point in pretending that it's not. And I truly think that it's because there's a lot of misinformation about what sleep training or sleep coaching is or can be or should be. Sleep coaching does not need to be quiet out or extinction as it's often called, where you just put your baby in a crib and you leave them alone there to cry by themselves with no support. That is absolutely not what sleep training needs to look like. And so we need to keep that in mind when we're talking about sleep training, about what age you can start sleep training, and and about when we call it a loaded question or a loaded topic. It doesn't need to be so loaded if we understand that sleep coaching can, and in my opinion, should involve you being there for your baby as they are learning a new way of going to sleep. At the Happy Sleep Company, we work with families as early as 14 weeks to start sleep coaching. Now, keep in mind, you can start a lot of really healthy sleep habits from day one with your baby, a good daytime schedule of waking, eating, playing, sleeping, so that we are concentrating on full feedings by having their feedings happen at the beginning of their wake window, concentrating as much as we can on wake windows, which for a newborn are about 45 minutes to an hour, concentrating on some great little nap time and bedtime routines. A bedtime routine for a newborn might be a little bath. We don't want to use soap and bubble bath every night, but we do want to just splash around in the water to indicate, okay, this is different. Sleep time is coming up. My big long sleep in the crib is happening soon. So we do a bath. We put on our PJs and our swaddle or our sleep sag. We do a bedtime feed. We read a quick little story and then we put baby down for the night. That can be a great bedtime routine for a newborn. So lots of things that we can just set up in terms of a a foundation for good sleep skills in the newborn stage. But if we get out of the newborn stage, so again, we are sort of 14 weeks and beyond. We are well out of the newborn stage and we decide as parents, this didn't go the way we'd planned. We tried to set up a good foundation for sleep and we are still seeing a lot of multiple nighttime wake-ups, really difficult time putting baby down for naps, really tiny naps that don't seem very restful for baby. We feel like we need to do some more work on sleep. We feel like we need to work on some more independent sleep habits. These are often things that parents 
are still seeing and feeling when they get out of the newborn stage. And I would suggest based on many years of experience as a sleep consultant, that 14 weeks and beyond is a much more developmentally appropriate and successful age to work on sleep coaching than any time earlier than that. We really want to make sure baby is out of that newborn stage. We want to ensure that we've gotten out of that period of, first of all, just absolutely massive development where so much is changing on a day-by-day, practically minute-by-minute basis for your baby. Your baby is out of the stage for most babies where there is a lot of colic or particularly tough reflux because your newborn has such an underdeveloped digestive system. And so there's a lot of often reflux and tummy issues and gas issues that we're working with. Perhaps you are just forming your breastfeeding relationship and really trying to establish that and figure out how breastfeeding is going to work for you and your baby. Perhaps you are playing around with different formulas and not sure what's right for your baby. This is all stuff that's happening in the newborn stage combined with the fact that you are just getting used to being a parent. Or even if it's not your first baby, you're just getting used to being the parent of now two children or three children and what that looks like for your life. It's different. It's amazing. It's rewarding. It can be challenging. And so we want to really make sure that we've established all of that and gotten past that newborn stage to the point where most babies are now maybe out of that reflux stage, the colic has passed. You feel like you've sort of got a handle on what this whole parenting thing looks like. And now we can concentrate on different sleep habits than maybe we developed in the newborn stage. So for all of those reasons, the answer to that question is 14 weeks and beyond is generally a realistic age to look at some sleep coaching, which means helping your baby develop different sleep habits than perhaps they developed in the newborn stage. Again, sleep coaching is not for everybody, but healthy sleep should be. And so we want to ensure that it feels right for your family, that it's a change you feel you need to make and want to make, and that's when you move forward with changing those sleep habits. Next question is, when moving baby to bigger wake windows at various ages, do you do it all at once or in like five to 10 minute increments? That was the question. So generally we do it all at once. So if I tell a family that they're four and a half month old, will probably do well with a wake window of two hours. And then I tell a family that their five month old will probably do better with a wake window of more like two hours and 15 minutes. Do we go two hours and five minutes, two hours and 10 minutes, then two hours and 15 minutes over the course of a week or two, trying to get them to this 15 minute jump in their wake window? No. We don't. It's probably not a big enough change to only be increasing wake windows by five minutes or so every few days for you to see a difference. If you feel that your baby is at an age where they need a slightly bigger wake window because they are not currently tired enough for sleep at the end of their current wake window, you probably need to bump it up by at least a full 15 minutes to see a difference. Five minutes is probably not going to make a huge difference. So If you are looking at wake windows and if you're thinking that the next increment of wake windows for your baby is about 15 minutes longer than their current wake window, I would just say today is the day we're going to make that 15 minute jump. We're going to keep you up 15 minutes more for your wake window than we normally do starting today because I am confident that your current wake window is not big enough for you. So that's how we would do that. The one exception really would be 
the transition from two naps to one, because now you are really making a very big change in your baby's schedule. We are now going from having like three to four hours of awake time and two naps per day to just having one nap in the middle of the day every day. It means your baby now, instead of waking up around 6.30 in the morning and going down for a nap around 9.30 in the morning, has to go all the way to midday before they nap. It's a very big stretch. It's a very big change. That one, I would definitely say you want to do gradually. You want to probably, when your child is around 16 or 18 months or whenever you decide they're ready to drop from two naps to one, hopefully we can take a week and a half or two weeks where we gradually increase their wake window by about half an hour every few days until we get them to that midday nap. We want to do that one more gradually because it's such a big shift. At thehappysleepcompany.com, we do actually have an 11 to 18 month sleep guide that gives you a step-by-step guide for how to gradually get your baby to a one nap day when you feel they're ready for that. So if you are nearing that stage and you need some advice for that, that is definitely where you can find it. Next question is about a six month old. My baby is six months and I'm always reading she should be awake for two or more hours at this point, but I still feel like she often needs to sleep again after only an hour or max an hour and a half in the day. Should I be pushing her to more awake time? I should note she also wakes several times in the night to eat still. Today's episode of Sleep Cues is brought to you by Wooly Doodle. Quality and comfort are at the heart of Wooly Doodle's mission. They strive to create clothing that can withstand the adventures of childhood while being gentle on the environment. And bonus for you moms and dads, they've introduced Woven, a sister brand exclusively crafted for adults. At Wooly Doodle, they believe in creating clothing that not only looks good, but also feels good. They create high-quality, durable clothing with a constant dedication to sustainability. Every piece is thoughtfully designed and handmade in Ontario, Canada, using sustainable, eco-friendly fabrics that are exclusively knit and dyed here too, all to ensure a smaller carbon footprint. Join the Wooly Doodle family and add joy and coziness to your children's everyday adventures. Use code WD2024 for 15% off your next order at woollydoodle.com. Always do what you think is best for your individual baby. Bottom line, if you feel strongly that your six-month-old can only handle an hour or an hour and a half of awake time and you absolutely think it would be disastrous to keep your baby up longer than that, then you should do what you think is best, period. However, in response to this mom's question, I will say that yes, in general, most six months old, six month olds can handle about two hours of awake time before their first nap and like two and a quarter, maybe even two and a half hours of awake time leading up to their other naps and bedtime. If a six month old is still only having an hour to an hour and a half of awake time between all of their naps in the day and is still waking up several times overnight, I would suggest that scheduling could be part of what's going on here, a scheduling problem. Probably this baby does not have enough awake time in the day to be tired enough for the overnight. So in this case, I would suggest this mom probably wants to start to work on really pushing to the two, two and a quarter hour mark of awake time between all the the sleeps in the day to make sure her baby has sufficient sleep pressure overnight. Otherwise, if baby is just constantly not having enough awake time in the day, she's likely not to be tired enough to sleep a full night. There could be other things going on, certainly, that cause a child to continue to wake up several times at night. But if I hear that a six-month-old is only up for an hour, hour and a half between all of her sleeps in the day, 
I'm going to not be very surprised if she's having tough nights because I'm going to link that to insufficient sleep pressure. So there are some times when you need to really look at the whole circumstance and consider whether, yes, you do need to sort of distract, 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 move your baby from activity to activity and really get them to the end of what is generally considered an age-appropriate wake window. Next question. Hey, Erin, wondering at what age, if ever, do you recommend pushing the midday nap later than noon, like 1230 or one o'clock? My toddler is 28 months and wakes up anywhere between 630 and 7 a.m. Should he still nap at noon? I love a noon nap once we get on a one nap day. There's a reason for this. I actually just had a call this morning with a mom where we talked about this because her 18-month-old is on one nap a day, but he was taking his nap at 10.30 in the morning. And then he's constantly needing to be in bed by 6 p.m. And then he's always waking up really early to start his day. If we do nap a lot earlier than noon, it means we end up with a really unbalanced day and we get in this cycle of early, early, early. And remember here, I'm talking about a child who is like 16 to 18 plus months and is on one nap a day. If we consistently do nap well before the middle of the day, and the nap basically always ends by the middle of the day, what happens is your toddler has a very big stretch of awake time between their nap and their bedtime. Even if a child goes to bed at 6 p.m., if he's been up from his nap since noon, that's a really big wake window, and he's overtired by 6 p.m., or whatever his bedtime is. Overtiredness at bedtime often causes early morning wake-ups. So now we're in this cycle, early, early, early. So that is why I really recommend generally that once we're on one nap a day, the nap not happen before noon. This mom's question is, do you ever push it later than noon? And the answer is yes. When a child is around two and a half years old, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later, often they're not going to be quite tired enough for a noon nap and they'll need a little more sleep pressure. So it is often around two and a half years of age that I will suggest nap be at more like 12.30 p.m. Then when a child is around three years old, if they are still napping, which many three-year-olds are, we often need to push the nap to even 1 p.m. to make sure your child is actually tired enough to have a snooze in the middle-ish of the day. So often 1 p.m. is gonna be necessary because a three-year-old might not be tired enough by 12 or 12.30 to go down easily for a nap. If your child is not even tired enough by 1 p.m. to nap and they're over three years old, it's a good sign that they are ready to drop their nap altogether. I would avoid doing a nap later than 1 p.m. We don't want to be putting a child down for a nap at like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon generally because often that's going to mean they nap too late in the day and they're not tired enough for a proper bedtime. And then for toddlers and preschoolers, not being tired enough at a proper bedtime often causes a lot of antics and a lot of stall tactics because we're wound up, we're not tired enough. And so if your child really is over the age of three, doesn't seem at all tired, even at one o'clock anymore, it's probably time to just drop that nap altogether. We do have a blog post uh, on our website, on our blog at thehappysleepcompany.com about going from one nap to none. So you can check that out if you're in that stage. Last question for today. It's a, it's a different one. It's one I don't get very often, but I have gotten. It's kind of a personal opinion and it will vary from parent to parent. But at what age should you stop using a baby monitor? I still have one in my two-year-old's room, but do I need it? This is, again, really personal. There is no law saying you ever have to use a baby monitor. And some parents just don't use one because they're room sharing or because 
their room is so close to their babies that they share a wall and maybe they sleep with their door open and they just really don't even feel it's necessary. Other parents love their baby monitor. They're very attached to it. They use it for a long time. Every situation is different for if and when you should set up any kind of baby monitoring system in your home and when you should turn that off for good. Some babies, especially those with health issues, their parents may really feel that they need to keep a closer watch on their little one and for a longer period of time. Again, uh, there's parents who sleep on separate floors from their kids. They might want a way to hear what's going on on the kid's floor, depending on how your home is set up. But the need to know what's happening kind of changes as children get older and become more responsible, more independent. There isn't a set recommended age to stop using a baby monitor. Again, some parents never use one. Some parents use one for a long time. But if you are using one, many experts agree that when a child is developmentally able to express their distress, to have a sense of their own space and privacy, probably between the ages of three and five, five being on the later end of when most parents decide to do this, that's when most experts are suggesting that you consider whether if you're still using a monitor at that point, are we hindering those senses of space and independence? I did hear an example given by one expert of if your child drops their levy in the night out of their bed. If you have a baby monitor in your four-year-old's room and they drop their comfort object out of their bed and you immediately run and and you go and you find it and you pick it up and you get it back in their bed and you're in there and out again within a minute of them even making a peep. Are we actually hindering your child's ability to solve some of those situations on their own at that age? Do we want them to learn to be able to realize and recognize that their beloved stuffy has fallen out of the bed and then with the light of their nightlight, search around a little bit, find it, put it back in bed with themselves and go back to sleep. That's something that a lot of parents are wanting their child to be able to achieve, but having that baby monitor go off and the slightest little noise waking us as parents up at that age and having us just run instinctually to fix this problem and solve this issue sometimes might hinder our children from from being able to solve those challenges on their own. So some of the things we want to keep in mind. Another thing that's really important to keep in mind that I see often as a sleep consultant is babies are really active and often noisy in their sleep. And some monitors, if set really, really, really high in terms of their sensitivity, will go off very quickly the moment a baby makes a little noise or a little movement, and then parents are not getting enough rest, even though your child is actually sleeping. They're just in some active stages of sleep. They're making a little bit of noise. They're making some movements, and then it's causing a lot of stress and anxiety and lack of sleep for parents. So you do want to be careful that you are not so attached to your monitor that while your baby is getting good rest, you as a parent are actually losing sleep. It's an important thing to keep in mind with the number of monitors and types of monitors that are available to us now as parents that there's a lot of products that are marketed as reducing the risk of SIDS for your baby. So things you might use, especially particular monitors and that kind of thing that are marketed to do that. However, there is no actual link. The American Academy of Pediatrics actually suggests there is no direct link between those products and the reduction of SIDS, of the instance of SIDS. But interestingly, there is actually a direct link, research shows, between the use of those baby monitoring 
SIDS reducing, quote unquote, products and an increase in parental anxiety. So there's a direct link between our level of anxiety and worry and using those products and not a direct link between using those products and a reduction in the risk of SIDS, which is what they're actually marketed for. So that is a really important nugget to keep in mind. You want to do things that give you peace of mind, that help you monitor your baby to the degree you feel they need to be monitored based on your individual child and their age. But you also really want to be mindful that you as a parent are not using products that while meant to give you peace of mind are actually causing you individually more worry and anxiety than they are giving you help or aiding you in monitoring your baby in the way that you were hoping. So Keep all of that in mind. That's kind of a loaded answer to the question, at what age should you stop using a baby monitor? Like lots of things when it comes to your baby, you have to do what feels right to you, your individual family, for your individual baby. Remember, you could also consider using your monitor in stages. Maybe you have the noise level alert set fairly high when your baby's a newborn, and then maybe you turn up a, turn it down a bit when they're six months. Or maybe you have it higher when you first move them to their own nursery, but then when you feel comfy with the fact that they're generally sleeping through the night, you turn it down a bit. Maybe you turn it down further at age one and then get rid of it altogether at age two. Maybe you keep it until your child is in a big kid bed because in those early stages, you want to be able to monitor them when they're in their own room and they have their own space and they're not in a crib anymore. But Again, we want to think about when your child reaches a certain level of wanting some privacy, some space, and some independence, do we allow them that and not make them feel like they're always being watched if they know that the monitor's in there? And we want to provide them with that level of responsibility and independence. Keep all of that in mind when you're making that big decision. It's a different decision for every family, much like everything with children and sleep. But That's the answer to that question from me, some research gathered from experts that you can take into consideration when you're making those decisions for your individual family. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.